Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning, we are going to be picking up where we left off from uh, last week in the book of Daniel. We're going to be turning to Daniel chapter 8, uh, 1 through 27. Um, before we go too far down the road, I want to revisit some of the, the rules that, that we discussed last week when it comes to uh, how we study apocalyptic uh, literature in the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the rules that come to uh, studying prophecy in the Bible. Um, God has placed prophecy in the Bible for a reason. It's there for us to uh, study. And we as followers of Jesus shouldn't shy away from it just because it's hard, just because it's difficult to understand, just because sometimes it on the surface, maybe feels a little weird, uh, <laughs> that it's there for a reason. Um, it is, we, we mentioned this last week, that it is a vision of the future to give believers hope in the present day. That, that's why the, these things have been shared. Um, we're, when we, we look at these things, there, there are things that we just don't know. And we all have to be okay with that today. That there are going to be things where you're going to look at this and be like, I, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and, and in certain instances, we're just going to have to say, okay, you know, we'll just wait for God to reveal that to us. But what I also know is that there are areas that are very clearly spelled out what they, they mean. And, you know, we can take that and we can apply it and we can move forward. Um, finally, that, that third rule is we have to be careful of anyone who claims to, to know more about what's, what's talked about here than what the Bible says. Um, so for, for those that have been with us through most of this series, we've started to see some recurring themes. You, you start to see some, some stuff that just kind of keeps on cropping up, that uh, the kings and the leaders of this world may, may rule for a season, Kingdoms may be in power for a season. Political parties or laws may be in place for a season, but God in heaven is on his throne. God in heaven reigns not just for a season. He reigns for all of eternity. And so as we go through and we read Daniel chapter 8, we see this very detailed vision of two coming kingdoms. God's enemies are described as ones who would throw truth to the ground. No matter how powerful God's enemies seem, God's truth will endure. We, we see that uh, as, again, a recurring theme throughout this entire study that we have done. And he will defeat any 
opposition that comes. So last week we learned about the first of Daniel's visions and so Daniel hit the rewind button. He, he was, you know, last time we, we saw he was at this uh, lion's den, right, where uh, he has been thrown into the lion's den for refusing to, to pray only to the king. But we, we've gone backwards. And so we've gone backwards and we, we saw this first vision that, that Daniel had during the, the reign of the Babylonian king. And so now we're, we're fast forwarding two years from last week. So we're, we're fast forwarding to those two years, um, showing what went on between the, that bi- those big life events of the writing on the wall and the, the lion's den and all of these other things. And one thing that's kind of interesting that I, I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to is the timing of these visions. But I think it's significant that Daniel is being shown all of these amazing visions about the future, about what's going to be happening to these different kingdoms and nations on the earth, and, and not just showing what these nations of the earth are going to be doing, but also consistently being shown that God is in control. Over and over and over again, that's being shared with Daniel, that God is in control. And do you think it's an accident that, that those are the things that are being consistently reinforced in Daniel's life before he gets thrown into a lion's den? Like, I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, had Daniel not had these visions that he wouldn't have had the same outcome that he had in the lion's den. You know, obviously, I, I can't speak to that. That's not my, <laughs> that's not my point. But what I'm saying is that these are the experiences that build faith. When, when we have this type of, of recognition of God being in control, God's sovereignty, it helps to clarify our perspective and say, I know what's going to happen. I know who's in control. I know who's on the throne. And you can do whatever you want to me. That doesn't change that my God reigns. So we have this vision. So we're moving on from lions and bears and leopards to rams and goats. <laughs> really, more, more animals. And if you're just joining us today, maybe you're wondering, man, like, is this what you guys do all the time? Like, <laughs> is this the stuff that you're, you're always, you know, focused on? Um, sometimes. <laughs> so uh, we believe in the entirety of Scripture is being studied, and that means the hard parts, the, the parts that are difficult to understand as well as the easy stuff. And so um, if all Scripture is inspired by God, then I want to know all Scripture. including the stuff with lopsided bears, (laughs) four-headed leopards, and and in the case of today, rabid goats. Um, So last week we saw Daniel, he saw something that was kind of scary. He he saw these animals coming out of the sea that were these kingdoms that were taking over the world. you know, we can probably categorize all of that vision as, as earthly kingdom turnover, um, just this process of kingdom after kingdom coming. But he also saw something else, a God who reigns supreme, a God who knows the future and isn't scared of it. 
I remember when I was a kid, I was uh, sitting at home and I was watching um, the election results come in for uh, George W. Bush uh, versus Al Gore. Um, leading up to that election, just like any election for like, it felt like two years almost, there is all of the, the news coverage that goes along with uh, an election. Every uh, pollster, every news broadcaster had an idea of, of who was going to win, you know, what the result was going to be. And then that night, every journalist, every broadcaster, every pollster had to pivot and start to become immediate experts in uh, the electoral college. And like, what on earth did that mean? And electoral votes and how you could have popular votes versus electoral votes and all of these things that the, most of the country just had never really thought about all of a sudden became ultimately critical as to deciding who the next leader of this country was going to be. And this kind of came to mind for me as I was thinking about this next vision that Daniel's going to be sharing because even though in the midst of all of that, there was a lot of uncertainty as to what was going to happen there. There was a lot of question marks. Most of the time, it, it, you know, we, we have a winner by the end of the day, but that didn't happen this way. And what I know is that in the midst of that chaos, God was in control. In the midst of that chaos, God was never surprised about the result. In the midst of all of that, he was never taken out off guard. And as we kind of go through this section that's what we're going to see. So as, as we study this particular chapter, there's another note. I know I'm kind of hyping this a lot, but uh, <laughs> the, the first two chapters of the book of Daniel are written in Hebrew, which is, okay, you know, so what? Uh, but after Daniel 2, like mid-Daniel 2, he switches from Hebrew to Aramaic. And the interesting thing about Hebrew versus Aramaic is Hebrew is pretty much only spoken by Hebrews, uh, Jews, um, for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's, there's people out there that, that would have known that language, but Aramaic is much more widely known, uh, much more widely known by the surrounding areas, by, by other nations. And so I was kind of thinking about it. If, if I was bilingual and I spoke Spanish and English, and I wanted to have a conversation with this group, I would probably speak in English, right? Because we all presumably know that language. Um, <laughs> if not, just stare at me. Uh, <laughs> but then if I wanted to have a conversation with a Spanish speaker that was standing right here, and it was very specifically for that Spanish speaker, what would I do? I would speak to them in Spanish, right? because that's, that's for them. And so what we see here is these first two chapters uh, in the book of Daniel are really for the, the Hebrew people. They're for the, the Jewish nation. But then from there, we, we see the, this Aramaic language that we pivot to, and we start to get this understanding that maybe this particular part of the, the conversation is for a wider audience. And so the, the dream, the vision that took place last, uh, last week that we studied was in Aramaic. It was something that was, was put out there more for the, the larger group to consume. The, the dream that we see today, he switches back to Hebrew. 
So in, in chapter 8, he, he pivots back to Hebrew, which tells me, okay, so maybe there is some more direct conversation that's happening here. He's speaking to a specific audience. He's intentionally writing to a specific people group. And so in chapter 7, he's talking about what's going to happen big picture in the kingdoms of the world. And in chapter 8, he's talking about what's going to lie ahead for the people of God specifically. So chapter 8, verse 1, let's read that. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam, and in that vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged toward the west and the north and the south, and no animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power, and it did as it pleased, and it became great. And as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came with, from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal, charged at it in a great rage, and I saw it attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great, but at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up as great as the commander of the army of the Lord, and it took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord, and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. And then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. And he said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. And Heidi told me that she is going to explain this all to us today. <laughs> so that, that, was, that, that was super clear to all of us, right? <laughs> we, we are able to read this and have a complete understanding of exactly what was just read there. No, of course not. So let, let's do a little bit of a timeline. So this is two years after the dream of chapter 7. We said that already. This is before the writing on the wall. So this, this is an important point. Daniel is not in Persia. Daniel is in Babylon. So Babylon is typically what I would associate with Iraq. It is typically generally where archaeologists place that. Um, Persia is typically Iran. Um, modern-day Iran is, is where we would ex see that. So 
Daniel is having this vision in Babylon, but he's transported from Babylon to the capital city of Persia in Susa. So it's important to realize that he, he's moved you know, in, in this dream, this vision that he's having. So um, he's transported to the capital city of the Medo-Persian Empire. And 10 years after this vision takes place, that capital that he is in will send troops to where he is physically (laughs) and take it over. So if we look at this particular uh, chapter, this specific dream and vision, you're probably going to start to see some things that that seem familiar. Like, wait a minute. (laughs) Some of this stuff sounds like things that we already talked about. We've got lopsided animals. (laughs) We've got horns growing out of every which place. And one of the first questions that we would ask is, well, I mean, if these are, do these animals represent the same countries? If so, why aren't we using the same animals? Um, this, uh, we, we were very clear last week when, when we made the step, and I need to be really clear again. We are, we are stepping into Matt's opinion, okay? <laughs> and, and there are specific parts of this that are absolutely pulled directly from the Bible. We, there are also things that I'm looking at and pulling from my research, my personal thoughts and ideas. And so this is a Matt opinion portion of that. Why does God not necessarily use the same animals? So my, my initial thought is maybe it's for the same reason that he, they're not using the same language. That the, the language means that we're having a direct conversation to the people of God, right? And so... My, my thought and, and what, what I think could be happening here is that Daniel's saying, you know, from the, the outside looking in, this looks scary. This looks like we've got leopards, we have lions, we have bears, we have dragons that are coming against us. But as the people of God, they're really just goats, rams and goats. And, and in the midst of all of this, God is in control. And maybe that's why. Or maybe that was just God felt like using goats and rams that day. I, I don't know. But, but that's something that just kind of stuck out to me is, is why would there need to be a difference? And, and I've never really worked with a goat before, but I imagine it has to be a little less lethal than a lion or a bear or a leopard. <laughs> I don't know, Diana, would you say uh, maybe... Depends on the goat. (laughs) Um, So we know that the Bible tells us in the next part of this chapter who that that ram is with the the unequal horns. It represents two united kingdoms that would eventually come and overthrow Babylon. And last week we talked about this, right, where we had this lopsided bear that's coming that represents this unequal, these two unequal kingdoms that are kind of joined up in this, this one empire. The Medo-Persian empire takes over 10 years later, right? We, we already said that. Eventually, the Persians outpace the Medes, and it just becomes the Persian Empire. And then we have this furious goat that shows up, (laughs) representing another world power that's going to quickly conquer 
but devoid short, divide shortly after. Again, this feels very reminiscent of what we just talked about last week, where we have this leopard, where it has four heads, and these four heads, you know, are, are taking these different uh, approaches. So this is talking about the Greek Empire, and, and we know that. Uh, Alexander the Great conquers. By the time he's 30 years old, he's conquered most of the known world. At 33, he dies. And his uh, control, his reign is split up between four generals. And the dangerous horn represents a leader who who comes out of that. Uh, A leader who would defy God, who would torment God's people for a limited period of time. That's in verses 9 through 14. What do you think Daniel, what land do you think Daniel would call the glorious land? The beautiful land. Yeah. Home. Right? That, that place that, that he's always trying to get back to. That he, I mean, he can't get back. He's a, a slave in exile in this land. But don't you think that's where he'd rather be? I think so. And so... Jerusalem, his home, the holy city. So someone will come and rise up against the people of God, rise up against Jerusalem. And it's going to be that way for about seven years. So we have this leader, Antiochus Epiphanes. He gave himself that, that last portion of his name. And just we can kind of think what that means. It means God manifest. So that's maybe a little bit of a pride issue going on for him. Um, So he thought he was God in the flesh. In 168 BC, he marches to Jerusalem. He murders tens of thousands of Jews. He defiles the temple. He walks into the temple. He builds a statue to Zeus in the temple of the Most High God. He takes the the animal that is prohibited to the Jewish people. He takes a pig and he sacrifices it on the altar. He prohibited worship. He prohibited circumcision. He sold Jews into slavery. He destroyed scripture. If you were found with scripture in your possession, you were killed on the spot. If we look at these things, it's pretty obvious, and if we look at scripture, there's a a spiritual battle that's taking place at the same time that there's a a physical battle taking place. There's talk of the stars being cast down and and all of these different things. What, What is Satan after? What year is it? It's 168 BC, and we see a leader of the world literally hell-bent on destroying the people of God because Jesus is coming. And it, what we see here is a leader of the kingdom of the earth showing up, trying to do everything in his power to make it so Jesus can't show up. And for those of you who kind of follow Jewish history, this then leads to the Maccabean Revolt, which gives us Hanukkah today, which that's the, the celebration that, that, the reason for that celebration. 
And so the question that we need to ask ourselves as we, we stop and we look at this for just a minute, so if this is true, if, if all of these things are going to come to pass in, in the midst of all of this, God is still in control. Can God handle your tomorrow? If God is able to handle hundreds of years of, of kingdoms, of kings coming and rising to power and falling from power and, and kings coming to try and take over his people, can he handle your tomorrow? Verse 15, it says, while I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it. We, let's just pause for just a minute. This is the guy that the king brings in when everybody else <laughs> is, is messed up. When his A-team of advisors and uh, you know, wise men are unable to interpret the dreams that the king has, he brings in Daniel, and, and Daniel gets the job done. But Daniel is unable to interpret his own dream. There before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. And as he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified, and I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. And while he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep and my face to the ground. And then he touched me and he raised me to my feet. And he said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece. And the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represents four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise, and he will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and will consider himself superior. And when they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that had been given to you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days, and then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision, and it was beyond understanding. So there's a couple of different points that we, we need to, to understand here. First is that God is always ready to assist his children in comprehending the truth of his word. And you know, initially here, it's like, man, I wish Gabriel would like come and show up to me every time I had a question about like what's, what's going on in the world. And, but the fact of the matter is we don't need that because we have something better. We have the Holy Spirit living in us that, that is that resource. John 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. 
history proves that this vision, this accounting from Daniel is so thoroughly accurate that this is why critics doubt that, that Daniel can even really be authentic. How is it possible that, that this could be foretold so accurately? There's no way that it could be done. There's no way a human would know how to do that. And you're absolutely right. There is no way a human would know how to do that. That's why it took God. God has allowed and will allow worldly powers to discipline his people. You know, we, we were talking in Sunday school that, that God will sometimes apply his hand to discipline, and then he will also remove his hand to discipline. And what we see here is God removing his hand to discipline. In the Old and the New Testament, we see godless dictators and countries used to correct the people of Israel. Why was Daniel in Babylon? Daniel was in Babylon because the people of Israel wanted to be like Babylon. They were making choices that were separating them from God. And God said, if that's the choice that you want to make, I'm going to let you make that choice. This isn't the correct choice. we move on to, to application, the spirit of Antichrist, this, someone who is putting themselves against the laws of God, is anyone who throws truth to the ground, right? That's the, that verse pulled from verse 12. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground, this not only is talking about that historical figure, but it speaks of anyone who is willing to throw truth to the ground. And one thing that we talked about in terms of end-of-the-world prophecy or, or apocalyptic literature that we see in the Bible is that there can be multiple fulfillments of that prophecy. And so we can see that prophecy coming about historically during that time in 168 BC. You can also look at this and look forward to the, the end times that we see talked about in Revelation, there's absolutely application that exists between the two of these. We have seen it throughout history. Dictators who have, have had massive Bible burnings because they, they don't want that truth to be known. Even in our own nation a couple of years ago, there were, were protests where, where people just up north of us were, were marching to the city center, and at that city center, they just burned the Bible. They set God's word on fire. There, there are people who simply cannot stand parts of Scripture, and, and they're just taking those parts out of the Bible. If I was to stand up here and start ripping pages out of the Bible, that would, that would be shocking. That, that would probably get some feedback. We get so mad when we see Antiochus desecrating the temple of God. I mean, that, that's shocking to, to think about somebody marching into that temple and sacrificing a pig. It would... 
again, we, we, we get mad when we see other people disrespecting the word of God, when we see people defiling the, that leather-bound book. How do we feel when we do it ourselves? You say, well, Matt, I've, I've never ripped a, a page out of a Bible. Like, what, what, okay. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) If we think that ripping a page out of a book is bad, how much worse is it when, with the Holy Spirit living in me, actively speaking to me and giving direction into how how my life should be lived, the choices that I should make. And I, I essentially have a face-to-face conversation with God and say, I hear what you're saying, and I'm gonna choose to do it my way instead. That's me ripping the page out, throwing it on the ground, and saying my way is better. That is throwing truth on the ground. I'm guilty. And just to really make it uncomfortable and awkward for just a minute, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. (laughs) You know, Antichrist isn't some like, you know, we can sometimes get wrapped up in, in revelation terminology when we think of Antichrist as being this end of the world figure. But really, Antichrist, as we said last week, is anyone who is standing in contrast against the laws and the will of God. And, church, there are times when I am standing in direct contradiction to the direction of God. Well, Matt, you're the pastor, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but shocker, I'm pretty sure all of us have. If God's word is truth, then I'm supposed to treat it that way. If God's word was this precise concerning events that were going to take place a hundred years later for Daniel. Do you think we can trust what he's telling us today? Yeah, we can. I can undoubtedly trust the promises of God that they are yes and amen. That God is the same yesterday. He is the same when when he was dealing with Daniel as he is today, and he is going to be the same tomorrow. And the best thing that I can do in light of the revelation that, has, that I have received, the revelation that we see from God's word, is to stay faithful in what he has given us. Stay faithful today. What does staying faithful look like? We see it in, in verse 27 at the very end. I, Daniel, was worn out. Are you worn out? I was exhausted and lay there for several days. You want to lay someplace for several days? Our family's been dealing with some sickness recently. I think the latest, 
I'm going to call you out. The latest uh, that <laughs> Kaylee slept in was, I think we made it to 11.50 one day. <laughs> we just needed some recharging. And that's, but what happened after that in, in verse 27? Then I got up and I went about the king's business. I got up and I went back to doing the thing that I was supposed to do. God has called me to this area of my life. And even though the, the revelation that I've been shown is scary, even though things in this world are, are unknown, there's chaos that's happening, I can have courage in the midst of this chaos because my God is on the throne. And after Kaylee slept until 11.50, she did help clean the entire garage. So she got up and went about business. <laughs> uh-huh. Heavenly Father, God, there are things that we just aren't going to understand. There are areas of, of Scripture, of your word, that just seem unclear, Lord. We... God, I ask that you would allow us to hang on to those things, that, that we would, would chew on them, that we would uh, bring them to mind at various times. But Lord, help us in the midst of that uncertainty to recognize what is certain, that you are on your throne. God, in the midst of everything else, that is the truth. That I can be wrong about everything else that we're talking about today, but if, if we leave here with that understanding that you are on your throne, that's the hope that I need to face today. Jesus, as we, we move from this place, as we go forward into the week, God, I ask that you would, would bless richly, that you would, would answer prayer, that you would uh, bring the, the people and the volunteers and the children that need to come to this uh, VBS that's happening this evening, God, that you would, would change lives that you would change families, that this would be an opportunity for you to show yourself as the living God to people that do not know you. God, that, that you would be able to show yourself as the God who, who not only is in charge of the, the rise and the fall of nations, who is not caught off guard by the, the rise and the falls of kingdoms, God, but the, you're also the one who, who cares for and loves these little children. God, we thank you for that, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 